This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The views expressed by guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information discussed by guests on this program are those of the guests and is only for informational purposes and should not replace medical advice by your local veterinarian professional. Hi, this is Susan Marie from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, learning the role of the barn cat in a stable or ranch and all about Responsible Pet Owners Month, then the story of the world's first model animal shelter. That's what's on our show this week, so let's get to it. Hey, did you hear that? What is that? It's the bark heard round the world. The Doggy Diva Show. Here's Susan Marie. Hi. Welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-host, the Doggy Divas themselves, Francesca, Coco, and our newest little diva, Miss Olive. Miss Olive is the cute little Italian greyhound rescue in the picture with the microphone. Thank you for joining us today as we bring the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, cat people. Litter box smells always on your mind. Think about your cat, not the box, with World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that delivers big odor control in a tiny package. World's Best Cat Litter harnesses the concentrated power of corn to trap odors deep inside the litter. Ready to knock out smells and use less litter? Find World's Best Cat Litter at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. back everyone to the doggy diva show and we are here with monica layton owner of professional pet sitting and monica one thing i want to ask you and where we're from we have a lot of um you know horse farms ranches different things like that but throughout the country we have these also can you tell us there's a specific cat called the barn cat can you tell us a little bit about the barn cat absolutely so as an estimate, the ASPCA says that about 900,000 cats are euthanized every year, many of them because they are deemed unadoptable, meaning they have behavioral issues or they're feral, um, they don't use the litter box, they're poorly socialized, they can't be handled, um, things of that nature. Unfortunately, because of that high number of euth- you know, euthanizations a year, they try to get some of these cats to become part of their barn cat program. Humane societies, rescues all over the U.S. have barn cat programs that'll take some of these pets that are behaviorally unadoptable or that are more feral and actually give them a job. They, you know, put them into barns, um, not only barns, but also, um, stables, factories, wineries, feed stores, ranches, warehouses, and they give them jobs. They become working cats. They're there to keep the rodent population down. The difference is these are not just cats that are left out in the wild to fend for themselves. 
cats that are, you know, too shy and too fearful to become adopted, you know, if left outside, they could be susceptible to disease, to illness. Um, they're not kept up as far as parasites. They are often, you know, roaming for food, scavengers, um, you know, susceptibility for, you know, being hit by a car, things of that nature. So these cats can get homes as barn cats. And the difference is if somebody adopts them to work in their barn, their warehouse, etc., they take on the responsibility for having the pet vaccinated for, you know, making sure that that pet is spayed or neutered. So it keeps the animal population down, make sure they're microchipped, make sure that they do not have any infectious diseases, make sure they're fed on a regular basis. They're not scavenging for food. So they're there to keep the rodents away, but they're being cared for. That way, these pets that are not friendly, you know, that are feral, that are very fractious, or, you know, you have that cat that just simply will not use a litter box. Or behaviorally, you know, maybe it's a little nippy or just not a good household cat. Perfect cats to be part of the barn cat program. So I just let our clients know that if they do find a cat that's not, you know, able to be, you know, tamed or become a house cat, or they have a cat that they're looking to put it down because they can't stop unwanted behavior, you know, always reach out to your Humane Society and your rescues and see if you can possibly get the cat into the barn cat program. Making sure these pets are, you know, put to work and they have a job and they're kept, you know, safe is a much better solution than, you know, having the euthanization, you know, issue come up. Plus, if these pets are spayed and neutered, they're keeping the population down. So hopefully those numbers start gradually going down and going down. Well, you know, Monica, that makes so much sense because there are cats out there who, and, you know, we know about the ones that are, they do have um, spraying issues or issues in the house where there are some, they don't go to the kitty litter box. Maybe they don't socialize well with the other cats and they may have been brought in as a feral and they just can't acclimate into a house. So I have, I rode um, years ago, my sister still rides and everybody knows the barn cats. They're there, they're there all the time, they're fed, they're taken care of. And like you said, it's so important to keep up the um, the vaccinations and also to have them spay and neutered because it helps to keep that population down. So I think that if you have a barn or a factory, as we talked about a factory and things like that, it's great for um, someone to talk to with their shelter, maybe a cat rescue or something such as that to say, hey, do you have a cat that could be acclimated to the outside? Maybe we could use it as our, we're calling it a barn cat. But I think that's perfect. And it had helped to bring down the euthanization because there's just so many of them. Absolutely. And, you know, most of these prog- programs through the ASPCA and the Humane Societies and through your trap new to release programs, even if you do not have the initial funds up front um, and you run the cat through those programs, they will spay and neuter it. They will microchip it. They will get it up to date on their vaccines and then they'll find a factory worker or barn or something like that just looking for, you know, barn cats to keep the rodent population down. So if Money is an issue, you know, still inquire. Don't, you know, oh gosh, I can't afford that. You know, it's not an option. It, they have a lot of really, really, really good programs to assist and they'll match them up with where they need to be. Well, I thank you very much. I think this is a really important topic. I think it's a topic that's a twofold topic. It helps to, you know, it helps the cat population. It helps in the decrease in euthanasia and 
most importantly, it gets those cats a job and they do really well at it. So thank you very much, Monica. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Coming up, best nutrition and training for responsible pet owners month. Stay tuned. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Liquor Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Liquor Chops with omega-6, omega-3, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. And dogs love it. Try Liquor Chops. Buy two, get one free. This is Henry Lukasiewicz for Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. And we have with us today our nutrition contributor, Kim Gablin, Senior Marketing Director at Built Jack Foods. Hey, Kim, how are you? Hi, Susan. Great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, you know, February is such a special month for pets and pet owners. It's actually Responsible Pet Owners Month. So do you like have any tips or any advice as, you know, ways we can all be a little more responsible pet owners this month? Yeah, you know, I, you know I, this is a great topic because I think, you know, Overall, most pet owners do a fantastic job, right, taking care of their pets. They've loved their pets so much. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you're thinking about getting a pet, there are a lot of things to think about. And so, you know, one of one of the people at the office, her daughter just got a dog, a puppy, actually, uh, just recently, about two weeks ago. And she really forgot about all the things you really need to do. So this is kind of a great reminder of all the things that are important to do and all the things it takes because it's so worth all of their love. But there is a little bit of an investment and commitment that we all need to do. And first and foremost, of course, it's your time. It's spending time with them. You know, so spending time with them um, to do all of these things, obviously, but also just spending time with them loving and cuddling and and doting on them. I think that that's really important to have that connection. And they really look to you. If they can't do it themselves, they need us to help them do it. And, you know, the loving and the doting, that is what helps to form that bond. You know, we always talk about that bond that's between the pet and the the pet parent, and that's what's so important. And that's, you know, that this spending time and, and just loving on your pet, what a, what a great way to yeah. bond with them. Yeah. I mean, you want, you want your pet to know that, they, that you love and care for them, and, and that by doing that, they'll know that you do, right? That that's kind of how you have that connection. You know, and certainly, you know, it goes without saying meeting all of their basic needs, right? So they're going to need food, they're going to need treats, they're going to need water, you know, and if they're outside some of the time, they're going to need some water outside. And when it's cold, you know, this is the cold months for us. And so when it's cold, that makes it really tough, right? You want to make sure that they have some water that they can get to that's not frozen. You want to make sure that they're not outside too much. So, you know, being able to have shelter and not overdoing it outside, you know, is a really big thing. You know, it's always so sad when you hear about people who are leaving their dogs outside, for too long, right? So then, then something happens. So we certainly want to make sure that you're you're keeping them safe and meeting all of those basic needs that they're going to need on a daily basis. Um, and then third is, I think, training. You know, we talk about training a lot, you and I, oh, <laughs> we get yeah. together and talk about these things. And training is really very central to you know, having a good um, dog in the house and also for their safety, 
So it's not just, you know, to be able to have party tricks, but it's also for them to be safe because you want them to know things like sit and stay. You want them to know that it's time to drop it. You know, if they have something in their mouth that they shouldn't have, um, you want them to stop, you know, if they've run out of the house or they've gotten out into some place where they shouldn't be. So so all of those training is really important to keeping them safe and, and having them with you for a long time and, and having your household be happy, right? Because when your dog is not well-trained, then that's, you know, sometimes when people are surrendering them to shelters. And so we don't want to see that. We want to see, you know, you spend the time up front. Um, and it's really a lifelong thing to be able to train them and, and, and get that kind of done. Absolutely. Now, one of the things you mentioned, you said, you know, about uh, good nutrition and good treats. Now, proper nutrition and, of course, the training, the activity are essential parts um, to being a responsible pet owner. How can dog owners find the right food choices to, uh, to help do this? Yeah, you know, there are so many choices out there. And so, you know, really, um, you know, you know, taking, you know, taking a look at what you're looking at is really important. And so you want a food that's going to have high quality protein first. So like, for example, at Belljack, we use, uh, we use chicken. So we use actually fresh chicken when we make our foods. And that we really feel like that really makes a difference because we're starting off with that protein and it's not, you know, it's not been through any cooking. It's just ready to go. And that really helps to kind of um, use like a, a large amount of that. So for we use, for example, on our puppy food and our, and our adult select food, we use 25 pounds of fresh chicken to make a 30-pound bag of our, um, of our dog food. So that's really very good for people to know because you want to know that there's good, high-quality chicken in there because that's what they need to be able to get all of the amino acids that they need out of there to be healthy and have a great long life. So we, that we really feel like that's very important. Um, we also use chicken and chicken liver when we make our treats to make them super extra tasty and exciting. Uh, well, yeah, we love, where are the treats? <laughs> We love those treats and we love the food because you know what, you know what, Kim, you have so many different kinds of foods and of course you have the probiotics too and the joint supplement, but there's so many different choices. Can you tell us why Bill Jack is such a great choice for responsible pet owners? Because you do, you have a lot to offer as well as the great nutritional food and those yummy treats that we love, especially for our little training. Tell us all about the other things because there's so much more that you guys have. Yeah, you know, so aside from our food, we have, you know, very, very um, size-specific and age-specific food, um, great, great food for um animals that they might be overweight. So if you have a dog that's a little overweight, we have a reduced fat food. Um, and then we also have a probiotic. You're talking about a probiotic spray, which mm-hmm. is our biotics probiotic spray. And it's just something, you know, if you take probiotics, I take probiotics every day, it's great to be able to give them to my dog as well. Just, you know, one spray, um, you know, one or two sprays of, um, on each on his meal twice a day is really pretty easy to do. And depending on the size of your dog, then you can just look up how many sprays you need each day. So it makes it real easy to do that and help them um, have a healthy immune system and uh, a healthy uh, digestive system. And then, um, you know, it's great to have all the treats, right, to be able to be training, but also to be rewarding and also just, you know, just to have something fun to be able to give your dog when when you want to make sure that you give them something nutritious. And that's true. And you also have, as far as training, you have some great little training videos that, that the listeners can access. Yeah, absolutely. We work with Joel Silverman, and Joel actually does some terrific, uh, like even one to two minute videos mm-hmm. for us that really kind of help you get all of those basics down. And he also has some kind of sanitary tricks to do as well, like how to teach your dog how to walk backwards, you know, um, how to give a kiss on command. Although my my dog would kiss anything all the time. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like mine. But 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 if, but if you want to do on command, then that's really important that you give 
again, you know, one to two minutes, and then he gives you kind of all the basics you could do to practice and be able to help your dog. Again, be smart and be safe. Also, you know, you guys have so much there. You're, you're, you're perfect. Your website's perfect and everything's great for the responsible pet ownership month. And also you have that great newsletter. I just got my newsletter. It just came out, loved it, read it so much there for the, you know, the pet parents and for, you know, anyone who's interested in learning more about just little topics that are out there. So can you tell us a little bit about that newsletter? Yeah, you know, you know, we're all, you know, I know that we're a, a dog food company, but we really feel like we're partners with you, you know, with with you and mm-hmm. your dog, and we really want to make sure that we're giving you those responsible, you know, pet owner tips and ways to make it easy for you to be able to, you know, get through all the things you need to do with your dog, and so keep them healthy, to keep them happy, to keep them active, and to keep them engaged. So we actually put out a best friend club newsletter every month and uh, we put it out usually right around the middle of the month and it usually has about uh, two or three stories and has um, maybe a video from Joel you know about training and then we also have some opportunities for you to request a coupon if there's a particular product um, that we have on with a coupon that month you can then get a coupon and be able to um, save on your food and, and uh, your uh, probiotics and uh, and also your treats so it really just depends on what we're doing that month but yeah it makes it really easy you just have to go to our website at www.bill-jac.com and you can just sign up uh, there under um, join our best friends club you guys are really heavily involved uh, in social media which is great because you know people are, are want to get to you in all different ways can you just tell us where how they can get you like on facebook twitter whatever i think you're on pinterest instagram yeah those are those are all the places we are so if you look up bell jack on on twitter um uh, pinterest Instagram, you can find us and you can you can actually engage with us there. Again, we post some of the things that we have on our website and some of the things that we do in the Best Friends Club out on, our, on some of our social media so you can kind of engage with us. We love photos, so if you, if you're you know, everybody loves to take pictures of their, of their dogs, so please send them to us. Let us know that you're out there and we, we'd love to be able to share those with you um, and see how your dogs are doing with these tips and with the great nutrition that we provide. Kim, as always, you gave us some great tips. I mean, this is a really important month. Uh, February is Responsible Pet Owners Month, and you at Bill Jack have a lot to offer, as well as that great nutritious food and those treats. You have a lot through uh, your website and the newsletter, and there's just so much. And with Joel, to help us as pet parents be responsible and do all take advantage of all that. So I thank you for coming on the show today. I thank you for bringing us all this information. Enjoy the rest of this very special month. Thanks for you too. Okay. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Doggy Diva Show listeners. Susan Marie here to take just a half a minute to let you know how much we appreciate your being with us every week to hear great dog tips you can use with your pet, some great stories about rescues, fostering, and some heartwarming stories about second chances for pets who are now in loving forever homes. Be sure to go to our website, thedoggydiva.com, to see pictures of Miss Olive and other dogs we talk about on the show and get to know us a little better. That's thedoggydiva.com, D-O-G-G-Y. We appreciate your feedback, too. Okay, let's get back to the show. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. 
The cat tree tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. In 2017, the Humane Society of Silicon Valley became the first organization ever to meet the model shelter standard of care guidelines put forth by the Association of Shelter Veterinarians. Shelter medicine is a new specialized field within veterinary medicine that is focused on the care of homeless animals, and only a handful of veterinarians have completed residency programs in this area. And today, we are honored to have the Chief of Shelter Medicine at the Humane Society of Silicon Valley, Dr. Christy Camilla. Welcome, Dr. Camilla. How are you? Hello. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Now, you have a a very diverse, you have a great background. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, So I, um, first and foremost, uh, is a shelter veterinarian, uh, meaning uh, I did go through veterinary school and have all the credentials of being a veterinarian, um, but I choose to work with homeless animals in shelters. And so I've worked in shelters in various capacities in several different states. And most recently, um, actually prior to my current position as chief of shelter medicine, I did a three-year shelter medicine residency at UC Davis. That's the University of California in Davis. Um, the uh, specialty in shelter medicine is a, uh, it's, it's a new field, um, and this specialty probably started a few years ago. The, the plans went in place about a decade ago, but it took that long to become an actual specialty. Um, and the specialty of shelter medicine is very similar, um, it, like cardiology and neurology or radiology. There are veterinary specialties in those fields, and there's one in shelter medicine as well. And the biggest difference um, in shelter medicine is that the focus is not just on the individual animal, but it's also the entire population of animals. Um, and one common example that I'd like to I like to use is it's very easy uh, to treat one dog with kennel cough or a cat that has a cold and upper respiratory infection. You take your pet to the vet and the the veterinarian will examine and and prescribe some medication and treat your pet. You take them home and do the medications. Um, But in a shelter setting or in a a setting where there's a lot of animals in a in a confined space. The you have to not just think about the one individual that's ill, but you have to think about all the other animals that are in the shelter as well, and make sure they stay healthy and don't get sick. Well, and that is so important because when if you're in a shelter or you know a, 
involved with that. There are animals that do come in, like especially with puppies with kennel cough or ringworm or whatever it is that they, you know, some sort of a other disease that they have. And then you have every all the puppies there, they're getting through the wellness program and they're moving on very healthy, which I think that that's wonderful. As a matter of fact, can you just tell us a little bit about the Humane Society of Silicon Valley and all the great, because you're doing such great things there? Yeah, so we are a private nonprofit shelter. Uh, we are located in Milpitas, California, which is right in Silicon Valley near the San Jose area. And we taking animals as owner surrenders, um, as strays, and, but the bulk of our animals, the bulk of the animals we get into our shelter are transfers from other shelters. So uh, partner shelters in our uh, community, or they might be shelters in other areas of California. Um, and these are shelters that may not have the resources to care for uh, animals with behavioral issues or with uh, medical needs. And so we'll transfer those uh, those uh, puppies in and get them treated and then put them up for adoption. And that's so important. And and it, it, it's something else that I think it's important for everyone to know that as of um, last September, the Humane Society of Silicon Valley became the first shelter ever to meet all the standards set forth by the ASV for model shelters. Can you tell us about that, about becoming the first shelter to yes. meet all those standards? Because that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yes. So the Association of Shelter Veterinarians um, published a set of guidelines uh, back in 2010. And shelters across the country are not part of any type of network or they're not they're not regulated in the way that zoos or laboratories are regulated. There is no umbrella entity that, you know, regulates the, the standards of care. And the Association of Shelter Veterinarians published these guidelines for standards of care in animal shelters as a, um, as a resource for, for shelters across the country to, um, you know, to set minimum baseline standards and to elevate the, the standard of care for animals in shelters. And um, we uh, are very proud that we were the very first shelter to complete all 543 guidelines in the document, and we did complete that in that last uh, 2017 in June. Wow, that is that that is so awesome. Can you tell us why it's so important the way that you run things, things are operated the way that they are at your shelter? Yes. Yeah, so our our mission mission is to enhance, um, save and enhance lives, both four-legged and two-legged. And in order for us to be able to save as many lives as we can, we want to make sure that we're operating our shelter in the most efficient and the healthiest way for the animals so that we can save as many animals as possible. And, and it was really important for us to be able to provide not just the physical and behavioral care to the pets in our, um, in our shelter, but we wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, we were, we were providing for their behavioral and their emotional and, you know, all of those needs. Um, so it's not just about, you know, feeding them and making sure that they don't get sick. But we want to make sure that they're they're socialized appropriately. If they're fearful dogs, um, that we have measures in place to bring them out of their shell. If they're high-energy dog, uh, we have programs such as our Doggy Day Out program um, 
you know, to make sure that they have an outlet to be able to get enough exercise and, you know, to be able to to stay in our shelter in the most comfortable way. Um, that is our biggest goal is that every animal that comes through our door has an individualized plan for what their needs are, uh, you know, both medically and behaviorally, uh, and make them the best adoption candidate as possible and to, to make sure that they... Um, they're, they connect with their forever home and their, their new uh, owners um, in the best possible way. And that's so important, and it sounds like every animal that you have there that you're taking in, that they kind of have their own space, they learn to socialize and engage uh, with other people, get comfortable with people, which is such a bonus for both um, the animals and for the people who are coming in because there's there's obviously a lot of knowledge about the animals that you have there due to this engagement and due to the way that your shelter is set up. Yes, absolutely. And we want to make sure that that um, that each dog has a choice in in where they want to be and so um, you know when they're when they're put in a kennel or, or in a cage there's not a lot of room in there for them to move around um, our adoption area we actually put our dogs in in rooms and we have various beds and elevated beds multi-level beds uh, we'll have a crate in there and um, you know so that they have a choice and if they want to be on on a higher level bed the elevated bed they, they have that choice if they want to sleep on the floor they have that choice too and that's very important for um, uh, for the animals uh, in a shelter to be able to have some control of where they want to be well and also you have a great program for the cats too I was very um, impressed by the program that you have for with for cats there's um I think it's called the sunshine room Yes, so the Sunshine Room is our um, is our large community room in our adoption area, and it's actually two rooms uh, put together. Um, so the large area, you know, there's various cat trees and uh, chairs and uh, tables for people to sit in, um, and we there's also an outdoor patio. So there's a little kitty door, and the cats uh, have the choice of whether or not they want to be inside, and if the weather's great, they can go outside, too, and there's an enclosed patio on the outside, and um, and that's great for some of our longer-term cats where, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons, some cats will take a little bit longer to get adopted, and we want to make sure that they, they have enough space to hang out, and there's also cats that really like the company of other cats and we want to make sure that to be able to provide that as well and so the the sunshine community room serves all of those purposes well it sounds like you guys are doing everything there so that the animals get the opportunity to play to interact with people and i believe that because of that it it helps and i mean so many shelter animals are so stressed it could just as homeless pets, but it sounds like that you're working to reduce that stress and kind of yes. keep them emotionally and mentally healthy so that they're more adoptable. Yes, yes, we uh, that is very, very important. It is so stressful for for any animal to be in a shelter. Uh, you know, not only they're homeless, but all of a sudden they're placed into this 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 weird building with a lot of different strangers, a lot of different animals, and you know they're not sure what's going on. Um, and it is it is very very stressful for uh, for animals in a shelter. And so we do focus a lot of our efforts in trying to alleviate the stress. Uh, of being there and uh, alleviating that stress as much as possible. Well, and I think that's so important, and it seems as though you're 
the the way you're set up, the way that this model set up is so ideal. Can can you just tell uh, us how the Humane Society of Silicon Valley is helping other shelters to do the same in hopes that maybe they could become the next model shelter, like supporting future model, sh- model shelters? Yes, absolutely. So we... Um when we decided to go forward with uh, completing all of the guidelines, um, we really did it because we uh, we thought it important. It was important for our animals, but we also wanted to demonstrate that hey, it is possible to do that. And we also wanted to be a resource for other shelters. And so, any shelter that is interested in in uh, looking at and meeting the guidelines. Um, are more than welcome to reach out to us, and we're very, very happy uh, to do visits. And we've had several shelters come and visit our shelter and do a walkthrough, um, and we're very happy to do phone calls or video chats or site visits. Um, and our our main goal, once uh, since we've become uh, the first shelter to meet all these guidelines, now we want to be a resource for for everyone else who's also interested in doing that. It's so it's it's so it's so well organized and so well thought out for both the animals and the people. I mean, there's like such a mesh. It's like a perfect cynicracy. Uh, I mean, I really admire what it is that you're doing for the listeners or for other shelters, people who want to learn more. Where can they go to learn more about um, you and all of your work and the Humane Society of Silicon Valley and their life saving programs? So our website is www.hssv.org, and um, you can check out all of our, all of the things that we're doing on our website. We do have a Facebook page, and for people who are interested, um, you're more than welcome to contact me. Um, and my email uh, address is probably the easiest way to get that, and that's Christy. Kamia at hssv.org and that's c-r-i-s-t-i-e dot k-a-m-i-y-a at hssv.org well dr Kamia, i have to thank you for all that you're doing and for being our guest today and walking us through this because it's such a wonderful thing that you're doing there and you shared such important information to not only the listeners but i'm sure other we have a lot of people who are involved with shelters and volunteer at shelters and even work administratively in shelters so i'm hoping that people listening to this will contact you and that hopefully they'll down the line that they that I could be having conversations with them about the same thing because I'm telling you what you're doing is reducing stress, reducing anxiety, creating more of an adoptable environment for the pets and it helps the animals, those homeless animals, and it also helps the people coming in. So I want to thank you. You're doing such important work and thank you for all that you're doing for the animals. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. We would like to thank our guests this week. And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great Diva Week, everyone. That's all for this episode of the Doggy Diva Show. To find out more, go to our website, thedoggydiva.com. Also, find us on our Facebook page, The Doggy Diva Show, and tell your fellow dog lovers about it. Don't miss Susan Marie, Miss Olive, and The Doggy Divas right here for the next episode. See you again soon.
Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.